touching all this stuff, and I'm just like, what is going on? And, and she immediately goes, like she often does, to the Bible in her head. And she calms and comforts me. And I go to bed, and I wake up in the morning at 3 o'clock. I get up, I get my truck, and I'm driving on my way up to Georgia to make my pickup. And as God would have it, he lets me tune in on the radio to somebody that you may have heard, Dr. Uh, David Jeremiah. He's giving a, a lecture, a, a sermon on God is with you. Now, maybe you've heard that in the Bible. I think that it's mentioned, oh, a lot. If you think back to Moses, Moses didn't want the job. No, God, I, I am not the person... God is with you. And on through the Bible, person after person that didn't want to do what they were supposed to do, and God repeatedly reassured them, but I am with you. On through the Bible, I am with you. And I'm, and I'm hearing this, I'm driving down the road, thank you, Lord. I'm just, picture me, sitting on my semi-seat, driving down the road, it's dark, and I'm hearing this message, and I'm just saying, thank you, Lord. Okay, so I lose coverage on that channel, and I drive a little while longer, and I have nothing on the radio, and then I think, okay, I'm a little bored, I'm going to go back to the radio, and I start scrolling through the stations, and I find another station, another spiritual station, and guess who's on the radio? Dr. David Jeremiah, with the same message. It's just been repeated for me to hear a second time. God is with you. God is with you. Over and over, and I hear this, and I'm, oh, thank you, Lord. I don't know if you are in the same situation. As you're watching the things unfolding in our society, the train is coming down the tracks and there is no stopping it. All of this craziness. Be prepared, my friends, that end times, they're coming. We know the end of the story. Things are going to happen as they are. And the train is just going to run over our society. Be right with your heart. Be right with God. And know that God is with you. All that to say, just turn off the news. I was, um, we used to sing a song with the kids, some trust in chariots, some trust in armies. We trust in the name of the Lord, our God. All right? We trust in the name of the Lord, our God, regardless of, of what we face each day. Um, y'all, we... Uh, we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're here not because you fill a seat. We're glad that you're here because this is important. Gathering together is important and getting to know each other is important. It's, it's part of what we're called to as people of God. And so when we say welcome, we mean welcome to a, a life of investing in each other and loving each other and being Jesus to each other. And um, that's why we exist, so we can practice here and go into this, um, this community that we live in and the love of God just kind of oozes out of our pores, right, um, to others. And so we want you to be involved, and so that's why we take time to make announcements in the middle of the service because we want to make sure that you understand what's going on and you hear it and you don't come in, you know, 10 minutes late maybe and, and miss what's going on in the life of the church. This is important. Um, and so we, we want to know how to get in touch with you. And so if you have moved recently or if you have a new email address or if you have a new phone number or if it's just been a while since you have written anything on a Connect card um, that says, hey, um, Jen, you're awesome. Um, <laughs> we have some Connect cards um, behind the, the chairs. There's also some in the lobby that you can fill out after church, but make sure that you do that. 
Um, along with that, we've got some fun things coming up. Women, you are invited to um, go to Vero Beach. Um, the Nazarene Church in Vero Beach has invited us to come and join them for a women's luncheon on May the 20th. The luncheon is free, but we need to know by the 15th if you are available to go. If you'd like to go, you got to, you know, find your way to get there. I'm actually speaking, but don't come because I'm going. Come because you want to meet some other amazing ladies who are part of our Florida district. Um, this is a great church in Vero Beach, and um, they really are hoping to reach their community through this event. Uh, so it's nice to have some extra faces there as well. So if you want to go, um, just let me know by the 15th, and um, we'll make sure that you're on the list. The very next day, on the 21st, oh, you guys are not going to miss this. Um, We are having a family day, and it's the Bright Beginnings Day at our church. So we are inviting all of the families from Bright Beginnings we are, um, the kids are going to have artwork displayed. I think they're even going to sing, sing a song maybe. We're hoping that they're going to sing a song for us um, on that day. And we're going to eat lunch together then. So don't, don't bring your potluck next week. Okay? All right. Did you hear that? I mean, if you bring it, somebody will eat it. But um, we are not going to have our potluck next week. We will have it on the 21st. All right, got it? Pencil it in um, or put it in your phone. And then finally, um, Garen, Garen's turn. Check, 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 check. Maybe a little more. Well, but I can't talk like this the whole time. All right, turn me, turn me. All right. All right, can you hear me? All right, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, Henley can get live stream otherwise. I want to call three people up, and I want you guys to pray with me over them. Ken, George, Drew. Um, Will you all come up here? So, quick nutshell. Our church has been praying about, we want people to come to church. We believe that we are called to gather and scatter. It's so important. It's one of our core values. But we also know that there are people who will never step foot in this church or any other church. Does that mean that they don't need Jesus? No. So, if they are not going to come to us, we are going to go to them. And we're starting different things called fresh expressions. It's a fresh expression of the way the church is supposed to be. And so, you may not know this because we never talk about it, but disc golf is a thing that a lot of we, a lot of us uh, in the church like. And so, um, Ken is the ringleader that got basically everyone going and 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 we've been talking about what would it be like we there's only one to four of us are playing every saturday like not always all of us but someone is always playing and we said what would happen if every saturday before we all teed up at 9 30 we got there around 9 9 15 and we just went around and did a pulse check how's everyone doing what can i pray for you we said a quick prayer and then we played disc golf And as our friends who don't know Jesus are warming up and they see it, we can invite them into a very non-threatening situation and pray for them and then play disc golf and see where God leads, right? We don't need to force the Spirit on people. The Spirit is working. So we open doors of opportunity. And so... We are wanting to start a fresh expression in disc golf, and I've asked Ken and Drew and George if they would be willing to lead it, and basically leading it means showing up and being Jesus. Like, it's not a curriculum or anything, but this is the first out of what I am praying will be many fresh expressions from our church. So I'm asking, would you join me right now in praying for these three, that God's anointing will be upon this, that as we start meeting that people will start to notice that maybe there are a lot of people on the disc golf course. They're so nice. They just need Jesus. And so let's take Jesus to him. So will you pray with me? You can, you can come up here and put your hands. You can raise your hand. You can just pray where you are. But Jesus, you love everyone. And too often we are short-sighted by loving 
only the person that's in front of us on Sunday morning when you've called us to love those around us in all settings. And so, God, what a beautiful thing that you take our passions and you leverage them for the kingdom. And so I pray that as we begin this fresh expression, we don't even know what it's going to look like, God. But we believe that you have a plan. And so we're just going to lean into it and we're going to trust you. We're going to show up and see what your spirit does. And so I pray right now, especially for these three, for Ken, for George, for Drew, that as we lead these quick moments, just moments of your grace on a Saturday morning, God, I pray that you will cast the net and draw people in. I pray for a revival to take place on a disc golf course, understanding that the goal isn't to get them into our church. The goal is to get Jesus into them. And so, Jesus, will you be with us and will you help us to love them the way you love them? Will you help us to have ears to hear, oh, Holy Spirit, you're telling me that this is the time to start a conversation. And also, oh, Holy Spirit, you're telling me you're still working on them. I need to hold back. Jesus, we just want to be in step with your spirit. And so be with us. Be with these three. Anoint them. Fill them with your spirit once again. And may they be the right people for this time at that place so that your kingdom can advance. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, guys. Could I say something? Absolutely. Somebody asked me what the perfect disc golf day would be for me. And I told them that it would be meeting with my friends, playing the very best that I can possibly play, and ending up last. Because that means that if I end up last, that the people that I've introduced to disc golf are becoming what they can become. And I thought that that really has an application spiritually, too. Our job is to bring new people into his kingdom, not necessarily into the Nazarene church, although I believe in the Nazarene church, but we need to bring them into the kingdom. And then I'm hoping that as these guys who have learned disc golf will start bringing new people, their kids, that sort of thing, into the, into the disc golf also. And we should be bringing our kids, if you will, into the kingdom. Thank you. Two things real quick. Um, I showed up yesterday. Ken was already gone. Um, I'm new. I'm not very good at disc golf, but I proceeded to play nine holes by myself. In reference to what Mark said, that God is always with us. I play a couple holes, and there's a guy behind me, and he's catching up to me. So finally, I said, hey, man, you want to you pair up? I'm not very good. Tolerate me. Turns out he's a pastor at a Baptist church in Orange City. We finished the nine holes and had a terrific conversation, spiritual everything. He's always with us. Secondly, any young, strong guys that want to join us at disc golf, I openly welcome you, but I tell you, have thick skin because Ken is going to humiliate you. Wow. I didn't introduce myself earlier. My name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. If I haven't met you, hello, welcome. Um, what I love about this disc golf fresh expression is that God will use what we love to further his kingdom. So many people are afraid to pray and surrender to God because they're afraid they're going to have to go to Africa. And Africa is not what they want to do. But, you know, God will let you be a disc golf. If you like hanging out on the beach, we could do a fresh expression beach thing where you hang out with people and surf or body surf or just stay away from sharks. Uh, anyway, in this time of the service, we um, continue to worship that great loving God by giving of our tithes and our offerings. We're not back yet to passing plates around because COVID's still real. My daughter had it this week, and uh, it's no fun. But we've got boxes as you leave. If you're online and you want to participate in the offering, ponaz.church slash give. If you're here in the building and you want to use your cell phone for a minute during the service, ponaz.church slash give, and that would be fine. Let's pray. 
God, thank you again for loving us. I pray you'll take these, these gifts that we give, Lord, and that you will receive them, that you'll use them for your kingdom, whether it's here in this building, on a disc golf course, or somewhere in Africa. God, we love you. Amen. So as we begin, let's pray. God, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to start off real fast by saying a great, big, massive thank you. Let me see if I can get this to work. Oh, wait. There we go. I think that's the first one. Yo, my word. Y'all, yesterday we had a crew that was awesome. We're... What's going on? Emma, can you click it to the first slide of the sermon? I know, it's being crazy. There we go. Ripping up floors. Look at these lovely people. Look at that. Kimmy being strong. I gotta tell you. Some of the carpet was not easy, and the guys worked and worked and worked, and then Jules and Kimmy came and got things done. And so, uh, <laughs> you think I'm kidding. Um, the guys just loosened it up, right? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, my goodness, these people, this guy right here, Chuck, holy cow. Oh, my word. Chuck, if you're watching, the next round of Advil's on me, buddy. Oh, my word. That dude. And if you missed it, you missed Danny. So I'm excited to tell you that after five months of Danny going through um, different rounds for cancer, he is hoping to be back with us by the end of May. And so you're going to want to be here. Um, he hasn't asked you this, but I would ask that you be mindful. He's, he's finishing all of his treatments, but let's still... Um, mind the distance around him um, a little bit. But yeah, he's, he's good. He's ready to go. And so I'm super excited. Um, yeah, everyone say hi to Danny. Yeah. Now comes the unfun part of now we can figure out how to pay for all of this. And so uh, um, I've asked Jim. He's going to be helping us figure out good ways. And he's going to kind of be the voice of the finances that are needed because we needed to get some work done. Uh, the last thing we want is to be one of those churches that ignore an issue and then a year later they're closed down because the building is condemned due to mold and things like that. And so these are things that have to be done. And I'm thankful that he's going to help us um, talk, be, talk through the finances. I'm trusting God and I'm trusting in you. And we're going to make it, right? Amen? Okay, so... We're going to start, and I'm going to go as fast as I can because I've loved these testimonies, and I want you to remember these testimonies, which were not planted or anything, but you're going to hear a theme with what I'm talking about today, which is kind of cool because what I'm talking about today is what has been planned for weeks, and uh, where's the land right there? Oh, no. Sorry, i gotta, I got to sing the books of the Bible. We're going to be in the book of Jonah. How often are we in Jonah, right? Jonah, Micah, Nahum. Okay, 
Here we go. Sorry. So some of you know this, some of you don't. I'm in a, I'm in a grad program right now, and I'm working on a degree, and it's about church and community. And I'm in a class called Community Flourishing, and we're reading a book, and it's, it's a book around community. It is not a Christian book, and yet there are so many things that are appropriate for the church. And one of the things that I loved is it was talking about when the community has meetings, when they come together, when you invite people into these gatherings, which is kind of what we are, the guy says, here's an important question that you should ask. How valuable do you plan for this gathering to be? So I want to ask you that. How valuable do you plan this time to be? I'm not asking, are you enjoying the service? I'm not asking, do you like the music? I'm not asking, is it interesting, inspiring, hopeful, helpful? I'm asking, how, how valuable do you plan for this to be? All those things... It's interesting, it's not interesting, I like the music, I don't, um, the pastor is a nut, the, the services, whatever. All of those are cause and effect things that lead us into consumerism mentality. Something happens and I like it, that's the cause, and the effect is I feel happy about it. That's not involvement, that's not you planning on participating. That's not you planning on engaging mentally and spiritually. That's you receiving something or not receiving something. That's consumerism. So my question today is, will you plan to engage if you haven't been so far for the remainder part of this service? Will you actively listen? Will you, will you say, I'm going to plan for this time to be formative, which means it's going to be valuable to me spiritually. Will you say, I'm planning on this to be life-changing for me, which means I'm going to open up my heart and mind and allow the Spirit to work. Will you plan on allowing the service to change you? Because in that situation, you are the cause and you are the effect that affects what happens in your life. By your obedience, by your surrender to the Spirit, by your longing to see your life changed, will you plan on this being valuable time for you? And then, if it is, can you imagine the possibilities that God has for us? So, here we go. Jonah is a short book of the Bible. Oh my goodness, it is really short. You can read it. There it is. Boom. Four chapters, two pages in my Bible. I encourage you. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to kind of run through the story because it doesn't take long. And then we're going to talk about a couple of points that I think are appropriate for us today. Especially, I believe, the Spirit is leading us. By things that Mark and Drew and Ken have said, by scripture that Jen has read, and by what I feel like God's been leading me to speak about, and if you've been doing the 50-day devotional with us, what's been leading up so far, it's all tying in. So holy cow, here we go. I'm going to tell you the story. It's about a guy named Jonah. That's why it's called Jonah. You with me? Jonah was uh, considered a prophet, although I would consider him a reluctant prophet. He, um, you know, so here's the basic gist of it. God tells Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. The people there are um, enemies of the people of God. They are wicked. They are evil. And I'm about to destroy them. So I want you to go and tell them, turn or burn. Maybe not those exact words, but basically you need to tell them that the day of judgment is coming and they've got a choice. So Jonah, the prophet of God, the voice piece of God, the prophet, the Navi, the voice, the speaker for God decides, you want me to go to Nineveh? I'm going to go to Tarshish. And he goes to Joppa and boards a ship to go the exact opposite direction of what God is telling him to do. God says, I want you to do this for these people. They need to hear about me. And Jonah goes this way. So as the story goes, 
A storm comes up. God creates this storm, and people are in danger. It's violent. It's, um, it's dangerous. The sailors are all praying to their own God, saying, you know, save us, save us, save us. Nothing's happening. Jonah, meanwhile, is downstairs underneath the, well, it says he's in another place sleeping. I don't know how. Maybe he likes the wave movement. It rocks him to sleep. I don't know. But he's asleep. And they wake him up and they say, hey, dude, you need to pray to whatever God you pray to that this passes or we're all going to die. Get up. Start praying to your God. Well, the storm gets worse. The storm gets worse and worse and worse. And finally, these people who don't know God, these sailors say, there's a reason this is happening. One of us has sinned. And they cast lots to figure out who is the guilty person. And wouldn't you know it, the lots fall on Jonah. And they say, dude, who are you? Where are you from? What's your line of work? You're the cause. What's going on? And he says, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord. I'm the reason, basically, is what he says. He says, I'm the reason. It's my fault. And here's what you do. I'm refusing to follow God, and um, it's not going to get better, so you need to throw me over the edge and throw me into the ocean, and then God will be satisfied. He doesn't say God will be satisfied, but that's kind of the underlying tone. Throw me over, it'll be okay. Here's what's interesting. These sailors that don't know about God have such a value for Jonah's life that they say, we're not throwing you overboard, that's nuts. And they continue to work and try to shore the ship up and they pray to their gods and they continue, but the storm gets worse and worse and worse and worse until finally, Scripture says, these sailors that don't know about Jonah's God pray to Jonah's God and they say, forgive us. Don't make us, don't hold us responsible for this man's disobedience. And they threw him into the water, and Scripture says immediately, the storm stopped. And we can debate all day long, was it a well, was it not a well? We don't know, but there was a great fish that God sent to take Jonah, ate Jonah, swallowed him whole, and Jonah for three days and three nights was in the belly of a great fish. End of chapter 1. I'm telling you, man, this should be a movie. That's pretty riveting, isn't it? So, chapter 2, what? Oh, it's a VeggieTales movie. Y'all need to watch VeggieTales. God is greater than the boogeyman, right? Isn't that one of them? That's chapter one. Chapter two is really interesting. Chapter two is just Jonah's prayer while he's in the well. Here's what I find really, really interesting. It's, ten verse, it's nine verses long of a prayer, and then God responds. Even in the belly of the fish... Jonah never asks for forgiveness. He doesn't say, my heart's changed. He doesn't say, I'm sorry, I'll go to Nineveh. He just worships God. He quotes what sounds very similar to Psalms, like Psalm 40, about waiting patiently on God and trusting God. His whole time in the fish is praise. Praise to God. That intrigues me. I think if it were me and I was thrown into the sea and then a fish ate me, I'd be like, God, I'm sorry. Yep. (laughs) You were right. I was wrong. End of discussion. What's next? No, he doesn't do that. That bothers me and it intrigues me. There's no repentance mentioned here. No acknowledgement of sin or anything. Just praise to God. And Scripture says God has the fish spit Jonah up on dry land. Into chapter 2. Chapter 3 begins, the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given you. It was the same message. God didn't change his mind and say, okay, clearly you don't want to go to Nineveh. I'll give you a different task. Nope. God brought him right back to the place of his disobedience and said, 
we still need to talk about this issue, this lack of surrender. Are you ready to do what I asked you to do? And Jonah says, okay. So he goes, and he goes, and he basically says, hey, listen up, Ninevites. You've got 40 days, and then bad times are coming. Now, what's interesting is, I was reading, there are a lot of things that happened in that time that Jonah probably had no idea about. Jonah had no idea that the Assyrians were being attacked by a lot of their enemies, and so they were already feeling very vulnerable. They had no idea that in, he had no idea that in 763, around that part of the earth, 763 B.C., there was like an eclipse that happened. And so he had no idea that quite possibly the people of Nineveh were saying, okay, whoever is up there is trying to get our attention. So he goes and he says, hey, you need to turn to burn, you wicked people. God is coming. The day of God's judgment is coming and you've got to make a decision. And here's what's really awesome. The king hears about it and the king says, you're exactly right. He calls on a citywide fast citywide prayer, citywide repentance. Hey, I believe this dude. I believe that his God is real and we've got to change our ways. Not only did the king repent, but the entire city repented. An entire city because of one person's obedience. An entire city because of one person's reluctant obedience. That's chapter 3. Last chapter. This is where I want to focus some of our scripture. Uh, chapter 4, verse 1. So you've got these people that say, okay, we'll repent. Jonah delivered his message, and then basically he left. But he wasn't happy that people had turned to God. The change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became angry. Scripture says at the end of chapter 3 that God heard the cries of the people of Nineveh, and God changed his mind and said, I won't destroy them. Bringing them into the fold. And Jonah, the voice piece, the nabi, the prophet of God, should be ecstatic. Hey, God. You used me. Hey, God, they listened to us. Hey, God, you saved them. Hey, God, this is awesome. Nope. Jonah's mad. Jonah's mad that God was merciful. Scripture says Jonah's like, God, I knew you would save them. I'm, I'm adding the inflection, but that's kind of how I hear it. I, I knew you would save them. Yeah, that's why I ran from Tarshish. I knew you'd be merciful and slow to anger, just like you say you are. I knew you'd have unfailing love. It gets so bad that in verse 3, Jonah says, just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted, their destruction, doesn't happen. God, I'd rather be dead than for you to save them. That's tough, isn't it? This is a guy who talks with God and walks with God and God uses. And yet he's pouting. And so scripture says he goes up on the hill and he's like, okay, God, I told you what I'd rather have. I'd rather be dead than have them saved. I'm going to go up on the hill and see what happens. Let's see what you do now, God. Scripture says the sun was beating down and so God had this plant that grew and it shaded Jonah from the sun and it was awesome but then God sent a worm, and over the nighttime, the worm ate the plant. So the next day, the sun was up again, and it was scorching him. And Jonah says, death is certainly better than living like this. And this is how God responds to Jonah. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted. Now, first of all, come on, Jonah. 
Anyway. Yes, Jonah retorted. Even angry enough to die. You killed my plant. It was giving me shade. Then the Lord said, this is where, you know, you always have that like setting you up and then boom, going in. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly, it died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? You get upset about this plant that you didn't, you didn't do anything for it to be there. You had nothing to do with it, and you get upset about it because of how it affects you. And yet there are people dying at the bottom of the hill, and you don't even care. I had to do extreme things to even get you to obey. Tough book of the Bible. The hero doesn't feel very much like the hero, does he? The bad people don't seem very much like bad people, do they? Everything feels out of place except for one thing. God is still God, and God is still faithful and has unfailing love. That's the thing that's like everything else seems out of whack, but that is still true. So I want to give you uh, a couple of points, and then we're going to do something, and I'm going to challenge you right now. I'll tell you right now, it's going to make you feel uncomfortable. And if it doesn't, you might have missed the message. Point number one. God didn't let Jonah skip a step of obedience. God always brings us back to the point of our disobedience and once again calls for obedience from us. If God is telling you, I want you to do this, you can't ignore it away and finally God will say, okay, okay, okay. Well, instead of doing what I asked, how about we have you do this instead? Spiritually and just among us, that's bad parenting. God's a loving father that says, let's get back to the issue. Because the issue is, you're not obeying me. You're not trusting me. You're not doing what I asked you to do. I have a plan. It's my narrative. I'm using you. I need you to do what I asked you to do. Point number two. God loves everyone. It's so easy for us to forget that. Especially in traffic. I'm confessing. Even people who don't yet love God back. That word yet. I'm going to do a sermon series someday on that word yet. What a hopeful word. God loves everyone. Even people who don't yet know of God's love. God is patient. Giving them time to hear of God's love. Peter, all the way about 800 years later, would say it this way. The Lord isn't really slow about his promises, as some people think. God's plan will be fulfilled, but he's being patient for your sake, for my sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Everyone. Third point, there are people in our lives that need to hear about God's love. We may be the person God is choosing to use. That's not what a lot of us want to hear. This is where a lot of us end up like Jonah. God, I don't want, to, I don't want you to use me. That's awkward. That creates weird conversations. But hear me. We may be the people God is choosing to use. And if we don't share the love of God with them, our inaction could have eternal consequences. Think about this. Because of Jonah's disobedience to God, everyone on that ship was in danger. 
Because Jonah did not listen to God, everyone on that boat could have perished. And that's before we even get to the 120,000 people that needed to hear about God's love. How does our inaction affect the people around us? Whose lives are in peril because we are not being obedient when God tells us to speak up and say something? Because the truth is, I really believe God is still speaking to people. And I really believe that God still wants to use people to introduce them to his love. The problem is the church hasn't done a very good job of being those people. We like assimilation. Come into us and we'll like you. Instead of we need to go where they're hurting and love them and tell them about God's love. Let me ask you, what keeps you up at night? What disturbs you so much that you just have to take action? Maybe the better question is, who keeps you up at night? Whose face comes to mind when I say things like, people need Jesus? There's someone in your life and my life that needs to hear about Jesus. Is there a person that comes to mind when I say that? Who has God placed on your path, your place of intersection, that God said, I've designed you perfectly to on purpose intersect with that person and tell them about me? Are you going to obey? If God's given you a, a name or a face, here's your challenge. I never have my phone with me because it's a, it's a distraction when you're trying to preach and friends are watching you and they start texting you just to see if you'll look at your watch or your phone while you're preaching. Yeah, I got those kinds of friends. Uh, here's what I want you to do, and I'm, and I'm literally going to do it myself. If God placed someone in your mind, on your heart, I want you to get at your phone right now and we're going to write a text together. We're going to write the same text. We're going to send it at the same time. So don't jump the gun. But I'm, I'm literally doing this right now. You, you, can, you can do it afterwards if you didn't bring your friend. I'll show you. I've got the person right there. I won't show you his name. Oh, I guess you know it's a guy. Get your phone out. Don't hit send yet. This is what I want you to write. Hey. You've been on my mind. Let's connect this week and catch up. Don't press send. Now what's going to be really weird is if like seven of us are thinking of the same person. (laughs) Or it's going to be overwhelming evidence that God is pursuing someone. Let me walk you through what what I'm asking you to do. If God has placed someone in your heart, in your mind, a face before you that you know needs to hear God's love, basically what you're saying right now is, God, I acknowledge that. You're telling me um, that I need to connect with them. So, God, I'm going to trust you to open the door to the conversation. I'm going to trust that as, as you put that person in my mind, that your spirit is already working on that person. I don't have to cold call anyone. Your spirit's already at work in their lives because, God, you love them more than I love them. That's the simple truth. So what you are saying when you hit that send 
Is God okay if this is really from you? You have to continue to open the doors. They have to reply. They have to agree to meet. I'm just going to do my part and be obedient. I'm going to trust you to work on their hearts. I don't need to force an issue. Your spirit is good enough. And I know some of you right now are freaking out. What do I say? Oh my word, what if they say yes? Breathe. Breathe. Here's all I want you to do. I want you to meet with them. Get coffee, get lunch, play disc golf, do whatever it is. Go out on the boat. Go walk around the outlet mall. I don't know what it is. I know what you like to do with them. I mean, I don't know what you like to do with them. I mean, don't make it weird. If they're your disc golf buddy, you're like, let's go meet at this restaurant. I have something to... No, 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 no. All I want you to do is set up a time to meet that makes sense for you and that person. And then I want you, to, when you get there, to pray, God, I need your words. My words aren't going to do. I'm going to trust you to open up doors and lead this conversation. If the doors open and they ask, I'm going to be willing to talk. If they don't ask and the converse, and it, I'm not going to push an issue. Maybe this is just the first step of two or five or 12, but I'm going to make this initial step. And I'm going to let your spirit guide this conversation. But clearly you've put them in my mind, God. Clearly they're important to me. I know they're important to you. I'm just going to show up and see what happens and trust you. Okay? I'm nervous because I don't see a lot of phones, but I'm going to trust that you're going to do it. Because honestly, this goes back to what if you're supposed to be the one that reminds them that God is with them? What if you're supposed to be the one that's intersecting with them and conversations start because you send this text? So before we send it, we're going to pray. Jesus, I believe that you're calling all people. I believe that we use words like revival and miracles and all these big words when really that's just saying... Um, Something is happening that we have no control over. But God, um, I don't know that we can call revival, revival. It's just you speaking to people. I don't know that we can call a miracle something that you do regularly and often in our midst, whether we acknowledge it or not. It's just you being you, God. But because those are words that we use, God, I pray for miracles right now. I pray that as we press send, that we'll start to get responses back and say, hey, yeah, you've been on my mind too. Let's, get, let's grab coffee. I pray that there will be ease in conversations as they happen all around our city, at different places, at different restaurants and coffee shops and activities. God, I pray that if your spirit is ready for us to act, that we will respond with yes. God, this is one of our Nineveh Tarshish moments. Are we going to obey or are we not? If we're not going to obey, then we have a much bigger problems than the text. Jesus, change their hearts. Jesus, change our hearts. Holy Spirit, orchestrate a conversation that will glorify you. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right. I'm going to send it on the count of three. Are you ready? I hope. Some of you are doing this with me. One, or I'm going to count down. Three, two, one. Now we wait. We see what God does. I don't know what God's going to do. For all I know, you got the wrong number. I think your obedience in this moment is important, though. So we wait. I don't know what the answer is, but I know God is 100% invested in their lives. 
Whoever it is that's on your mind, God loves them. So, I guess the last thing is, let me ask you this. If God didn't bring anyone to your mind, should that tell you anything? If you couldn't think of a single person that you know that needs to hear about Jesus, I don't know that it means anything, but I wonder if maybe it could mean, one, you don't have your eyes open and you're not truly looking for the lost, which is kind of the last thing Jesus asked us to do in Matthew, go and make disciples. I know that a lot of people these days insulate themselves through politics, through gated communities, through rotations. I only shop these places, so these are the only people I know. Insulation is a thing that we've got to get over. We've got to be more invested in our community, and that means we've got to get to know our community. But maybe you don't know anyone because you just don't know anyone. I think both of those are things that maybe you should pray about. I don't know what it is. I'm praying that maybe at your, you'll be driving home, you'll have one of those eureka moments like, oh, Billy, thank you, God. Then you'll pull over because you don't text and drive, and you'll text him something like this. Jesus, we are all called to be evangelists. We are all called to be disciple makers. Those are big words that church people use, but basically all we're saying is, Jesus, we acknowledge that you have loved us so much and you've included us in the mission of loving others. So we choose to say yes in this moment, at this time, in this community, in our neighborhoods. Yes, 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 yes. God, I pray that whenever we hear your voice and you say, Hey, Garen, I want, yes, before you even get it out, God, it's yes. I don't know how it will happen. I don't know why you want it to happen. I don't know the resources I'll need to make it happen, but yes. Jesus, may we live lives in the yes zone. We pray this in your name. Amen. I'm always struck um, by the story of Jonah because I think that it's very much, you know, Garen alluded to this, it's very much a metaphor for how we live today. And um, we, we have a tendency to say those people, right? We like to look at those people and see how they're, you know, not following Jesus. We like to look at those, that group of people that we don't like or that we don't understand. We like to look at those people. And the story of Jonah... Over and over again, when Jonah wants to say those people, God is saying, "Mm, let's look at your heart. Let's come back to that point where I've asked you to obey. Yeah, I'll, I'll deal with those people however I see fit. I want to deal with you right now. And so as we come to the table this morning, um, We're going to pray a prayer of um, confession, a prayer of, you know, God, search my heart. See if there's anything unclean in me so that we can come to this table in celebration for how much God loves us. That while we were still sinners, while we were still disobedient, while we were still far away from him, he loved us and died for us. We didn't do anything to deserve it. And so we get to come to the table and receive with thanksgiving the love of God, the sacrifice of God. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, before we come and receive these gifts that you have given us, before we come and and we experience this moment of your mercy. Lord, we just come and, and we ask.
that you will search our hearts. Lord, that you will take our eyes for just a moment off of the distractions where we we like to... um, where we like to compare so we can feel better about the state of our own heart. We like to say, well, at least I'm better than that guy or that group of people. At least I've got a little bit together. Lord Jesus, will you search us? Search us for any pride Search us for um, how we close ourselves off, how we self-protect. Search us for the ways that we look down our noses. We compare ourselves. Search our hearts for those attitudes, for the hardness of heart, for the unwillingness. Lord, search our hearts for the fear that we have. See if there's anything in us that we need to surrender to you. And Lord, I ask that you will begin to work in our hearts and minds, not in, in a way that we feel condemned or, or anything like that. Lord, you love us. You want what is the best for us. And so we come with grateful hearts to say, okay, you know, you know, Lord, what's best for my life and so I trust you and so I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to walk in step with you and I will give up those things that aren't like you because you know we love you Jesus and we're so grateful for how you love us oh how you love us the lengths that you would go to show us that. Help us to respond to that love, even now. And as we leave this place, that we will respond to your love um, with love for others like we've never had before. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. On the night that Jesus would be betrayed by one of his closest friends, can you imagine? Um, they were all gathered together in a room doing something that they had done together every year before that. It's not an uncommon thing. And we come and we do this every week, so it's not uncommon for us either, except my prayer is that each week that we experience God in a way that he turns our lives upside down a little bit. Because that's what he did with his friends and with those who were following him. Flipped everything. Said, this bread, this bread, he took it and broke it. What this used to mean means something new, and I'm calling you to something new. This represents my body, which will be given for you. And when you see this bread, this common bread, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about what I've given for you. Take it and eat it and be thankful. And in the same way, he took the cup and he lifted it up and he sang a hymn and And he said, this represents my blood which will be shed for you for your forgiveness and for the forgiveness of many. Take it and drink it. Drink all of it and be grateful. And so friends, as we come and we receive this gift from God, this expression of God's intense love for us, 
come with gratitude. Come with a sense of, this is amazing that God would do this for me. And come with eyes to see others who need this love as well. Just a word of instruction, because I don't want anyone to trip over this um, these little things that are sticking out over here. What we're going to do is we're going to make our way to this middle aisle here to, um, to receive, and then you can go out each, each way to wherever you're seated. Um, friends, this is how we know God loves us. Come to the table and experience God's love in this amazing way.
It's been good to be with you today. Next Sunday, don't forget, no potluck. We're going to have it on the 21st. All right, let's sing our benediction together. We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Have a great week. Go. Be Jonah. The, the second half of Jonah. <laughs> not the first half.